Rapazi. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for your attention. Um, we are pretty much towards the end of uh, a very successful uh, conference today, and thank uh, Nick for the effort in putting together a lot of technical and shipping-related people. Um, we are going to spend a few minutes rather entertaining you on uh, ship safety, regulatory compliance, and third-party inspections. And for this, uh, we put more than a hundred years of experience on this table. Probably I count the years. It's one of, uh, it's a, uh, no, no, I don't put mine in. Mine. <laughs> so, Next to me is Pano Zachariadis, Technical Director of Atlantic Bulk Carriers and Bulk Carrier Manager Operating Company. Next, Stavros Meidanis, uh, S&Q Manager of Capital um, Ship Management, a company with tankers, bulk carriers, and containers. Next, uh, Fanny Salis, General Manager Operation of Gas Log, LNG Vessels. Stylianos Safakas, Chief Executive Officer of his own company, Dromon Maritime, which he is putting together all the vast experience from uh, product tankers and tanker management before. He will talk to us about this. And last, Dimitris Patrikios, I call him the star, but it's the Chief Operating Officer of Springfield Shipping. Uh, managers of tankers and bulk carriers. And of course, as you understand, we are all friends on this panel. Allow me to say a few words on what we think to offer you. Regulatory compliance as per IMO basically cover conventions like SOLAS, STCW, MARPOL, and MLC. This are enforced by flag state, the flag state of the vessel, and the RO, the usually classification societies, and audited by port state control of national states. On the other hand, third party inspections include vet vetting inspections by oil majors, the TMSA program that you heard earlier, right ship inspections and assessment, as well as the scoring board. PNI club inspections, and they are considered rather commercial-driven inspections. What are the advantages and the shortcomings of the current status quo of both sides, regulatory and third party? What is the role of the human factor in the regulatory compliance cycle and also in the commercial cycle? Are there any recommendations for an improved safety culture for the benefit of the shipping industry at large. Those are some of the issues we will be discussing here. But as I represent the Liberian Registry, and in fact we are a flag state and a regulator, I would like to spend one minute to tell you what we consider good practices to promote safety. So we use mandatory annual safety inspection of our vessels, onboard safety drills on a monthly basis, and safety training sessions on a weekly basis, frequent guidance to masters. We have the capacity as a flag to do ISM, ISPS, MLC audit and verification if the RO 
perform the audit on our behalf. On the port state control, we have gone a, a step further, and in addition to the port state detention analysis and our flag state detention analysis, we offer detention prevention programs, active working with port state controls. We have like six months meeting of different MOU, and also a formal appeal process on port state control detention if there is no validity on the deficiency. Casualty investigation and analysis, which is obviously a reactive measure. Class and RO cooperation and monitoring. An active participation in international organizations like the IMO, STCW, etc. And this is as far as a flag state does. Now, what the shipping companies and how the shipping companies view the regulatory cycle of inspection as well as the commercial. We start with, from my left side, Panos. And please, what is the views? Okay, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, part of the title of this session is safety and regulatory compliance. And I found some areas, at least, that if you comply with the regulation, it may be to detriment in safety. And, and this points to regulations that have not been well thought out. Um, and they have like secondary effects that nobody thought when the regulation was put into place, or that somebody thought about it, shouted about it, and nobody listened. So one example, uh, that, that comes to mind immediately is EEDI. If you comply with the EEDI regulation for tankers and bulk carriers, that means that probably you'll have to install a smaller engine into the ships. That will be a very big problem, not now, but in the next two phases of EEDI, where you have uh, a more stricter and stricter EEDI to comply with. See, there is two ways you can comply with EEDI. One is to build a ship with reduced resistance, good hull lines, and the other, the easy way is to just install a smaller engine on, on any ship. Um, and that's, that's because of the formula of EEDI. So early on at IMO, Greece pointed that out, and they said the easy way is to install a smaller engine and we're going to have problems with this. And they, they also, through submissions, they, they gave IMO the way out, how to change the formula so it's not so easy for shipyards to just install a smaller engine. But obviously, the shipbuilding nations, they wanted to have the easy way so they can comply with EDI. So after that, Greece said, okay, now we're going to have problem with underpowered ships. Um, nobody listened. Two years after that, the Japanese came to us and they said, you're right, we have problems. Some of you may have seen the problems with the smaller engines, that they have a problem with acceleration in rivers and all that. So the Japanese came to us and now we're trying to figure out what would be a safe minimum power to make it a regulation at IMO, um, which will override the EDI requirement. But, but it's not easy. It's not easy because what's safe power for one ship may not be safe for another. It depends how well designed the ship is. Um, 
But I don't want to make a long story short, and I don't want to stay on ADI. Uh, another point where if you comply with the regulation, you may have problems in, in safety. Uh, how, how many terminals will stop loading a ship, waiting for the ship to deballast at the slow deballast rates that now will be in effect after we put water ballast treatment machines? because we put water ballast treatment machines in one line usually. We're not gonna put in two lines. So we cut the deballasting rate of our ships by half. Well, I'm, I'm expecting problems there. I'm expecting that the terminals will keep loading the ship and I'm expecting problems with the, uh, with the longitudinal strength of the ship and perhaps buckling and, and other issues. Um, I'll stop at that for now. I have some thoughts about third party inspections, but We'll leave that for later. Thank you. Yes. <clears throat> Good afternoon. Yes, uh, Michalis, further to your initial comments. Um, I have always in my mind two, I would say, main questions, sometimes I would say two main concerns. First of all, inspections, audits, different regulatory bodies, and I class, what will be the ultimate aim of such an inspection? What we want to achieve? What the regulatory body wants to achieve? To verify what? The safety of the vessel, the seaworthiness of the vessel. So the aim, it's time, it's a little bit different. And this is a concern because always different approaches creates a confusion on board the vessels, and uh, especially to our people. And this, the second thought, concern, that I al I'm always have is what about our people on board? We're talking about safety culture. We're going to enhance the safety culture. We have uh, plenty of initiatives our days. This is what we are going, what we want to do. This is the proper way to do that. You know, as we have to keep in, in our mind that uh, in our days, we start in a discussion about, especially for the crew, about not anymore about their uh, technical skills, but now we are talking about, about the soft skills. And this is something that we have to take into consideration if we go the step further as flag, administration, as class or commercial vetting inspectors or whatever it is, which is very, very soon mandatory for all of us. This is my initial thoughts and comments. Thank you. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome. Uh, to start uh, by stating the obvious, I think that uh, from operations perspective, uh, both vetting and uh, post-aid control are critical elements of the day-to-day -day business. Uh, in post-aid control, if you fail an inspection, vessel could be mobilized immediately with unknown consequences. Uh, in vetting, <clears throat> in such a very competitive uh, market, definitely there is critical contribution to business development and uh, uh, also to link those two, the results of post-aid control are traceable through the vetting process. So, there are certain challenges 
to day-to-day -day operations from, oper <coughs> from an operator's point of view. And these challenges are of different type and nature and uh, involve uh, different uh, stakeholders as well. For example, to state from uh, our uh, organizations first, uh, some of the people inside the organization, either people on board the vessels or short uh, personnel, they don't actually understand the impact of both vetting and point state controls in the uh, interrupted operations of the vessels. And even during the inspections, they don't pay the attention which is required to make them successful. Uh, another challenge to speak for, for another stakeholder in the industry, actually the oil majors, I think that there is lack of harmonization there. Uh, and for example, a certain example is that uh, different uh, oil majors, they have different uh, requirements in regard to the crew experience matrix. And this creates complications. And another topic is perhaps most related with post-state control, but not only is that we face communication challenges. Sometimes uh, language is a barrier, uh, local uh, culture and ethics in some cases create some issues and perhaps even a typo in a crew certification could become a big issue, either intentionally or unintentionally. Uh, so, as an operator, certainly we should uh, take some actions to address such kind of challenges. And uh, I think, for example, in our case in Gaslog, to address uh, the first topic, I mean, what is going on internally in the organization, we have actually very focused uh, uh, campaign and some other actions in order to address various elements of vetting. For example, we have campaigns to raise awareness on the importance, both ashore and on board. We have allocated clear accountabilities uh, about who is responsible for what on board the vessel and ashore. We have uh, adopted a risk-based approach and we have actually categorized the questions, each individual question from the IQ. <coughs> We monitor the performance on uh, vessel basis, team basis, and even on individual basis for senior officers, master chief engineers. We reward the good performance. And uh, also recently we have decided and we engage with preventing consultants, uh, although we are very careful in this regard because we do not like to pass the wrong message to the crew that we allocate responsibilities to a third party. Uh, I think on the second challenge I mentioned, uh, we participate in industry uh, initiatives, like the one is <coughs> ongoing within Intertanco, actually to move from, uh, <coughs> in regard to the crew experience matrix, to, be, to, to move from uh, more qualitative approach and, let's say, somehow replace the crew experience matrix with the competency uh, criteria. And also we work already, we uh, keep in touch with the industry bodies and I think we need to do more work systematically in this regard and to bring to their attention 
uh, issues that we face uh, during various state po post-state controls. Uh, I think that uh, all of us we, we would agree that uh, vetting a post-state is a learning opportunity for each organization, the whole cycle. I mean, uh, even the inspection on board, then the observations, how you manage, how you uh, investigate for the causes and how you define uh, meaningful corrective actions is an opportunity for every organization to learn to improve the safety systems, even the plan maintenance schemes in some cases. Having said that, though, I think that all of us also we would agree that uh, both vetting and post state are uh, mostly are lagging indicators and uh, actually are uh, in a way reactive. And I think they do not address the safety performance in a proactive way. Uh, th th therefore, I think that when it comes to, to speak for safety culture and to link with the safety culture and performance, the operators should take the lead and introduce in their organizations schemes that in order to will cultivate more proactive uh, thinking and approach. And I think this kind of initiatives definitely should address and uh, uh, the, the mainly, mostly the human element, uh, leadership, uh, attitudes and behaviors, uh, cooperation, collaboration, and engagement and intervention. And I think later on... Funny, I you almost covered the entire <laughs> subject. <laughs> but uh, Stelio, give me a minute because I want to go to Dimitri first uh, to continue on uh, the shipping company's replies, and then I come to you, because now you have heard okay. uh, Dimitri. Uh, good evening to all of you. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, Panos, as always, provocative, uh, focused on the hardware part of our operations. Uh, and uh, regarding the question you, you, you've you said at the beginning whether, what are the disadvantages of these regulations. We must uh, first think why we have the regulations. The regulations didn't uh, come without any cause. All these regulations happened because some incidents or some accidents we had. And uh, the purpose of all these regulations is to improve our operations. Uh, we manage uh, tankers, mainly tankers, we have bulk carriers, but uh, our operations are mainly focused on the tankers, and the way we're thinking is like we manage the bulkers like tankers. And uh, we are used now to, in a world, to live in a world where the regulations are everyday job. And uh, I will tell you an example of what uh, an experience that I had. Uh, early in the summer, I had to pay a, a leadership visit in one of our tankers uh, discharging in Rotterdam. Uh, I took the early flight, early in the morning, I arrived in uh, Rotterdam, 10 a.m., and uh, I went on board the vessel. Uh, I first gave my, uh, I signed uh, my name, and I gave the card uh, as a permission to enter the vessel from the AB who was in charge uh, on, uh, on the deck. And then I went on board the vessel, and they told me that at the same time, it was uh, all the cargo lines of the terminal were connected to the manifolds. The vessel was ready to uh, start the discharging operations. Uh, the side inspector was on board the vessel uh, for side inspection. Uh, of the same time, 
this site inspector, there was an auditor for the site inspector uh, who was observing the site inspector, how was doing the inspection. And uh, after half an hour, uh, the post-state control came on board. Also, the logic master was on board. And the master and all the officers were, were, were running and were focused on how to uh, answer and reply to all the questions, all the requirements. When I arrived on board, I said, OK, I had many years to attend such an operation. And uh, I, was, I said, I will stand by and I will observe. I was astonished uh, how much professional our officers should be in order to, uh, and how resilient they should be in order to overcome all these demands from uh, these uh, uh, regulatory requirements and from the third party inspections. And uh, I realized that in order to comply with all these regulations that we should uh, understand that this is the life and we must uh, uh, comply with all these things, otherwise we don't have the ticket to trade, uh, we must have very professional people on board. And we must have very well organized management system on shore in order to uh, prepare, prepare our operations and prepare our people to uh, to. Uh, overcome all these uh, challenges that are coming from our industry. These are my, my first uh, comments. And uh, if I say, if uh, I would like, if it, I must reply whether we have advantages. Personally, I see, I see that all these uh, regulations, uh, despite the fact that are, they create a lot of uh, problems in our management system, they are good because they improve uh, our operations and they improve uh, the way we operate and, uh, and uh, the aim to have zero incident industry is something that we, everybody should aim to. Uh, is it something good? Uh, for me, I understand there are problems uh, in the implementation, but they are going to the, the, the right direction. Indeed, I, I will agree with that because in reality, the base of a regulation is a reactive type of approach. It's not a proactive, and that's why this, in a way, they should be the minimum set, those regulations that a vessel has to operate. You, you might have heard in industry forums the substandard vessel and the substandard operator and the non-level playing field and all of that. Even today, where shipping is so transparent, highly visible, and gets from time to time a lot of uh, criticism, Still, there are substandard vessels in our oceans. Anyway, now I want Stelios Safakas um, to give us his experience from previous being part of shipping companies and also now that he sees things from a consulting perspective. Uh, thank you, Michalis. I'm Stelios Safakas. I'll just take uh, the phrase that Dimitri said before, that uh, we manage bulk carriers as tankers. And uh, I'll take also what uh, Stavros said before, that uh, everybody uh, has the same target, there's a safety of operations. Then why we have different criteria for bulk carriers and tankers? Why we have different management on bulk carriers and tankers on uh, various companies? The target is the same. The approach is different. I'm sure for that the approach is different, but the target is the same. Uh, 
everybody knows that the exposure of a ship owner or a ship management company maybe is the largest uh, exposure compared to any other industry. Uh, but we have the stakeholders, we have uh, IMO, we have oil majors, port authorities, port state control, flag state inspections, and uh, the big, the large problem of the industry is that we have so many stakeholders that uh, they are not sitting on the same table to understand each other, including ship owners, to understand each other and set up a new inspection regulatory or a compliance regime in the uh, industry. So my main concern for the future would be uh, if we are going to see a combined uh, action for all requirements, environmental quality, safety, whatever is going to be, vetting, uh, one entity to control the compliance, common requirements around the globe, unified inspection and compliance scheme, and I believe we are talking for an utopia, or uh, maybe this is something that can be done, we have to see in the next 10 or 20 years. I hope that we can succeed something like that, and take uh, some examples for, from aviation industry, for, for example. Thank you, uh, Stelios. Just to complete on the regulatory part, as we said, for state control are the auditors of all of these regulations. I, about a couple of months, a couple of weeks ago, I was in Cyprus Maritime, and Mr. Kim from IMO was there, and they were discussing about measure to ensure that uh, the port state control in different regions uh, they will be level playing field that they will try to unify have a uniform type of approach, not to differentiate and all of that. Something that, from a flag perspective, we receive a lot of complaints from um, ship uh, managers when the vessels are being inspected by port state control all over the world. And with that uh, uh, remark, I would like to know your uh, uh, experience from port state controls for your fleets. Start from Dimitri now. Uh, regarding the post-state controls, the post-state controls, uh, I consider them the, the criminal records of our ships. And if the criminal record is uh, why, then we have, we, are very, uh, we have a very positive, uh, uh, very positive uh, image in uh, trading our vessels. The post-state controls, uh, the problem is that uh, the, there is not a uniform uh, approach on the post-state controls in different uh, areas of the world. And uh, we must uh, have our vessels and our people uh, very well prepared when they are going uh, in different ports and uh, the post-state control inspectors, they go on board. And we must not facilitate uh, their different approaches uh, regarding the inspections. Uh, I don't want to speak in detail uh, in, in front of uh, an audience regarding the different approaches of the post-aid controls, but we have examples uh, that the post-aid controls, uh, even in tankers, uh, it's not a living playing field all over the world. Fine. 
I agree with uh, Dimitris and what has been said already. Also, in our operations, we, in our uh, company, we face challenges. Uh, definitely, different uh, areas in the world have different cultures and different standards. And uh, linked with what I have said before, this creates also introduce a risk in our operations because you know some of the crew are, uh, let's say, relaxed when they face uh, lower standards in uh, one uh, area of the world, and then they go in another with completely different standards, and uh, all, they do not change the approach, and uh, all of a sudden uh, we have issues. Uh, I think that definitely this is something that we should uh, collectively address. Yeah, only <clears throat> only two words from my from my end, as I, both uh, Sofanis and uh, Dimitris already covered. Um, as I said in the beginning, uh, what is the aim of the inspection? It has to do with the uniform uh, of the of ha having common um, requirements. So one is uh, one step, and the other step, and the other and the other parameter is also the training of the post and control inspectors, which means, at the end of the day, uh, different approach. Just to give an example, because as Telio mentioned earlier, while we are talking about uniformity of requirements and we have common, as all of us we know, every, you know, every year from 1st of September until end of November, we have these CICs, concentrated inspection campaigns. Right now, we are running the EGDIS, CICs, which is agreed, 10 questions, which is the post and control authorities worldwide, they believed and they agreed on this is what we should have and we have to comply with. So some kind of this kind of uniformity would be a solution of, with regards to approach of post and control. Otherwise, we, we're going to face what we have to do, different places, different post and control regimes, different issues we have. Thank you. Yeah, I think most port state control inspectors are doing their job properly and they are well trained. Um, in the United States, in, in Europe, and in, in many other areas. However, we have a big problem. Uh, there are some well-known areas uh, to most of the operators where the port state inspectors are crooked, simple. Um, they, no matter how good the ship is, they'll try to find something, okay, and, and we know about those areas, in order to hold the ship and, and do some kind of extortion, not to the company, but to the captain. Huh? They, they, they say to the captain, uh, well, we found this, you know, and now, you know, we're going to report it to the company, we're going to detain the ship and this and that, and the captain starts pleading with them. Um, to let him go. And that's something, this has been going on for more than 10 years now. Something has to be done about those specific areas. And I'm afraid there are not, there other areas are also getting this example of money making and they're getting into the game and, and something has to be done. I don't know if it's going to be at IMO level or whatever. With regard to third party inspections, Stelios uh, had a very good point. Should there be different standards for bulk carriers and tankers? I say, of course. 
Of course, yes, there should be different standards. The, the consequences of, of a damage or, or an accident from a, from a tanker in a bulk area are not the same. Um, so, yes, there should be different standards, and I don't like that some organizations are trying to impose TMSA-style mandatory uh, uh, inspection regime for bulk areas. It's a new thing now, and, and they are trying to pass it on. And, uh, uh, and I don't think we need it. And after all, TMSA, OKIMF, majors, they know about ships, okay? They, 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 they have every right to do inspections, and they do proper inspections. In bulk areas, we, we don't have majors and, and OKIMF. We have some companies that they named themselves to be bulk carrier experts, and they're actually accountants and lawyers, trying to rate the ships in different ratings. They give you intentionally, I'll mention it, uh, I don't have a problem. A ride ship used to have uh, two different indexes for ships. They used to have the environmental index for ships, which I always say it's garbage. And also the charters know it doesn't mean anything. And that's why most of the charters, except for the owners of rideship, don't ask for a good environmental rating. But the rideship had the safety system, which was how many stars the ship had, which had some basis. That was a good, proper system because it was based on what kind of flag are you? What kind of classification is the ship? Is it an Ajax class? Did you have any detentions and deficiencies recently in the ports and all that? So it had some basis in fact. Recently, they changed their algorithm. They reduced all the stars of all the ships to two or three stars. Even new ships, a few months old, no deficiencies, whatever. Ajax class, uh, quality ship 21 USA uh, uh, flag, um, the ship gets two, uh, two stars. Obviously, there is a tendency from these organizations to lower uh, the safety record of the ship so they can sell you vetting later, okay, let, let us go and, and vet the ship in order to uh, increase the star rating. Now, those, those things have no place. I mean, we have enough problems. We, we shouldn't have those uh, artificial problems uh, to think about. Stelio, would you like to add something? Uh, actually, I, I don't want to, to open any uh, argument with uh, Panos regarding that. Uh, I still believe that the safety of operations is the main target. And both bulk carriers and tankers should have any kind of ship, not only bulk carriers or tanker or whatever, must have the same target of safety of operations, the same standards, but different approach, as I said before. The approach, of course, the procedures are different. We have other issues. We have other risks on tanker, uh, on tankers, other risks on uh, bulk carriers or cruise vessels. Uh, but how we are going to get to reach the point of safety of operations, I think everybody understands that is somebody. Everything we should strive to to the same uh, target. Uh, uh, on the other hand, I would like to to add something on the port state control. Uh, just imagine that the flag administration or the class societies uh, would be responsible for, uh, let's say, instead of the port state control, perform the safety audits for the port calls. 
what would happen if we managed to do that in the future, let's see. Uh, the risk and the uh, responsibility goes to the class or to the flag administration. The port state control is not there, and every time something happens, the port state control would go to the RO. You know, this, what you mentioned now, I remember some lord in uh, Great Britain, a few years back, he have said in an ideal world, if all ships are safe and blah, 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 no port state control will be required, as the flag state will be responsible for the whole thing. I mean, this is an old story that I remember one uh, good uh, Greek ship owner about 30, 40 years ago that he was questioning in every meeting we had why do we need class societies? Maybe some of you might relate the name, but it was one of his very interesting uh, derogatives that only flag states you need and the IMO and nobody else. But anyway, but one thing that among these uh, replies of yours, the, the, the human factor, the human factor on board, no matter if it is on a bulk carrier, a tanker, or an LNG, or an LPG or in an offshore mobile platform is very important and is critical, I would say. And earlier in the morning you heard that dedication, training, dedicated training, and I guess I have read some navigational issues that they are discussing at IMO and all of that, dedicated training per uh, position, per uh, job assignment, per task assignment on board and all of that. How is the human factor uh, affects application of the regulation on board the vessel? I mean, a lot of times the crew may not be as responsible or uh, is the crew behaves similarly if a port state control inspector is on board or if an oil major vetting inspector is on board. I have heard and seen differences. Can you comment on things like that? I mean, Dimitri. Uh, the human factor is the most important uh, factor uh, for the implementation of what uh, you plan in your management system. Uh, you may have uh, the best systems, the best management systems, but uh, you rely on the people on board. That's what I realized uh, uh, in the summer, that you must have very professional, very well-trained, very well-educated uh, officers on board, especially for the tankers. Because, and I, I will uh, agree with Panos, the tankers are different from the Balkarius. Uh, completely different, because the consequences are different, the charters are different. Also. The, the, the charters, uh, because they had some uh, bad uh, experiences in the past, they, are, they, 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 they are try to avoid all this bad experience they had. And they try to, make, to, to improve the way we operate on board our vessels. And, uh, and in our hands and in our responsibility is to have the best people to try to find and hire the best people from the early, the early years uh, in, our, in the company, and then invest on these uh, officers and develop them in order to understand how to operate in the world, uh, in the industry we operate today, and not the way we operated in the past. We, have, we, are very, we live in a very transparent 
environment. Everything uh, is, we cannot hide anything. And uh, therefore, we need a different approach. And the people should, have, should understand and make them understand with the training how to operate on board our vessels. If I want to ask you a single line, if you want to offer a recommendation to improve safety for the shipping industry in general, can you offer one line? Uh, we must create safety culture, and this safety culture is, should have an holistic approach, and everybody should have a commitment to the safety. It's not only the persons aboard, also the people ashore, because uh, we have experiences where the safety is, uh, some people who have uh, worked in the, in the seas in the 80s or the 90s, they have a different approach. For example, we have one equipment failure. And you ask them why this equipment failed. And they say this is an equipment, we are, we are talking about ships and there are problems. But if you dig in and you take a human behavior approach to this and you see that there are issues, how, uh, how this equipment failed. And you will see that the human factor played an important role in this one. And uh, the safety culture is something that is a journey in our industry. And uh, also regarding the, this, the, the experience we have each other, it's very important to exchange them in order to make our knowledge uh, better and educate more our people on board. Thank you for the one line. <laughs> Funny, <laughs> would you like? <laughs> Not an easy issue. <laughs> if we knew the rest in one line. What would remain with the audience so that Yes, so I would like first to pick up the comment about the difference uh, between Balkaris and tankers and also to state my views. I think that, uh, that, of course, cargo operations obviously are different, which is a major part, a big part of the operations. However, there are other elements like uh, the navigation, for example, which actually there is no difference between any kind of vessel. And uh, so I think it's not... Uh, it's uh, maybe simplified to say that are different or not different. And of course, if we take into account what has been said by all, all, more or less all of us, that the human element is perhaps the most critical in the business, I think definitely there is no difference between Balkaris or Tarkins or any kind of any other type of vessels, uh, even LNG, that we operate. Uh, so. And I think that as operators, we face two challenges. To the level that we are discussing now about post-state control and uh, uh, vetting, I think uh, there is a very big space, and uh, we should make the industry, the other stakeholders by the industry, to, to, to understand that there is space to consolidate, uh, to, 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 to adopt a more unified approach. What uh, Dimitri said in the beginning, in his example, I mean, uh, when the vessel sail for one month and uh, has to spend one day in the port and there are uh, two, three, four uh, such kind of activities, this perhaps is uh, introduce a hazard to the, to the operation, despite the fact that actually is oriented, uh, the objective is to contribute to more safe op operations. At the end, at the day that the vessel is a port is more hazardous, perhaps. Uh, and the second challenge for the operators is exactly to work in the human element and uh, 
to take it to the next level, to address, to address attitudes and behaviors. Ultimately, no matter the type of the vessel, is the human element, the human behavior that will uh, prevent, is the last line of defense in order to prevent incidents and accidents and ensure safe operations. Stavros. Yes, I will try to, to keep in two lines, as you asked. I will try at least. One, yes. One, okay. No, no, it's a human <laughs> element and then one line. Okay. Yeah, human and one line. Um, from my point of view, there's a two words, two main uh, cornerstones, if you want, for the safety, regarding the safety, commitment. Commitment, as uh, Dimitris uh, mentioned earlier, it's uh, very, very important. First of all, it's coming from the office. This is my point of view. Starting from the office, and then we have to get this on board the vessel and commitment from, the, from our people on board. And the second is the, to be proactive. If we, are, if we are proactive, we can do and we can prevent a lot of things with regards to safety. This is my point of view. This is my approach. This is what we are trying, at least in our company, to do, to be committed and to be proactive. Thank you. I, I, I agree with that, and it has been mentioned in the previous panels too, it's two main things, uh, training and, and culture, safety culture. And the safety culture, of course, starts from the office. And when the crews really see that you mean it, then that, that culture drips down to the ship. And training, of course, will, will make them actually do the job as the culture that you set actually requires. Thanks. Thank you. And yeah, before just, we conclude, just, just yes, last. Stelio, sorry. Uh, just one phrase. Yes. As uh, an old guy said, excellence is not an act, but a habit, either if it's a fishing boat, tanker, or a bulk carrier. Well thought. Or an On an airplane, right? <laughs> Before I conclude this, I want to, first of all, thank all of you and thank the panelists. I want to offer my one-liner, one-liner of me having worked in Greece and in the United States in shipping industries. We need to work together more. Regulatory bodies like the IMO, but also other bodies, Intertango, Intercargo, International Shipping Council, shipping companies. Uh, it, it's interesting uh, that one of the people that was participating in the Geneva Convention on MLC, where it was a tripartite agreement, like ship owners, flag administration, Simon Union, and Liberia was part, and I asked him from the ship owners who came, and he told me some um, um, tugboat operators, fishing vessel operators, and stuff like that, and they were not major ship-owning um, bodies, etc. So I think we need to work more together, because at the end of the day, the aim is one and only, a better life for the world at large. And shipping, due to the importance in transporting goods from one place to the other, goods that we use also in this room, it's very important, so we do need to work together. Thank you very much, uh, Nicolas and all of you. Thank you.